new Mind Grind Limits show with me, Smith Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss what actually is health and does public health exist? Tim. A lot of left-wing intellectuals, as well as even minarchists and many classical liberals, argued the state ought to play a role, if of course the state should exist, um, the state ought to play a role to regulate and at times intervene, if not outright control, public health. In our Ed Fazer episode, one of the criticisms I've made is that Fazer seems to think the state has certain rights, duties, in a similar vein to Hayek's muddled minarchism, but those exceptions one can drive a truck through. And the exceptions, of course, are pandemics, defense, air, water, climate, the climates, and, of course, health. Well, of course, pandemics are part of health. Um, Security might be the other major exception, but health is probably the big area of growth. And since we've been on this podcast, it's one of our our focuses here on pandemic policy. But this is not just new, because you can see this show up in other areas, in the safety culture and other areas. When uh, when someone was visiting uh, Julian Assange, they can't have hot coffee because Assange might use it as a weapon. You do it for your own safety. It's not. It's not. It's done for your own safety. It's done for your own health and safety. So health and safety becomes a justification by the state and authorities to do all sorts of things. Um, um, so it, it, in what Keith Preston would call totalitarian humanism or the pink state, um, it makes health its reason day at time. It's, it also in, implicitly shows up in why the left will never abolish our episodes. Uh, uh, why the left will never abolish the state episode we did probably in 2020. That was one of our early episodes here. And, you know, again, how can you fight pandemics, which involve lots of millions of people, dis- billions of people disagree without a large state, if not a one world government here? And this is where you quickly get into sort of Alex Jones territory here, one world government territory, new world order. Um, again, and this is not necessarily a totally conspiracy theory, because even people like Max Blumenthal would argue that, although he's, you know, he's increasingly in Jimmy Dore. And so a lot of the true lefties, in a, in a sense, have more agreement than they admit. I'd argue that in ways the current state, moving on, I'd argue in the way the current state in various areas from lockdowns, leading to increases in obesity, bad health pyramids, promotion of carbs, and many area, other areas, is the best at neutral, if not contra-health especially in the Moldbugian state. So if you want an effective state, if, you, if your goal is an effective state, the current state doesn't seem to promote it. Um, you know, one of the downfalls of, one of the, one of the things pointed out by many lockdown skeptics was you, if you close gyms, if you close sporting events, and you close youth sports and things like that, people aren't going to be out exercising. And, and all, they're going to become fatter. And again, I'm not against fat people. Believe it or not, I think, you know, I think there's they can be quite, you know, Tim Dillon. I think there's a lot of funny, um, but it's not being, you know, it's it, it is a comorbidity here, to so to speak. Um, and it's, it's also a problem for diabetes. It's a problem for health costs. So the current state, much to the contra left wing, seems to promote unhealth. Um, and I myself like to consider myself, quote unquote, healthy or pro health, um, not just in physical ways, but eating eating too. Um, this is something I think I agree in some sense with the food snobs. Um, Brian Kaplan and Brunig, Elizabeth Brunig had a debate over this, and Brian Kaplan was like, McDonald's is great. Um, and the food snobs would, would cringe at that. But then I was saying, like McDonald's, the food snobs correctly would cringe is unhealthy at times, but everything can be unhealthy in moderation here. Um, so, so and again, I'm, I'm somewhat disagreeing with the paleocons, some of the the paleocons, I think environmentalists tend to be deep 
paleocons. And we've improved our environment to make it better for humans. Like most fruit and vegetables are are nothing to do look like what were 300 years ago. There's an example here. Also having CO2 might improve plants and vegetables as well. Uh, and many of the foods are moderately, well, at minimally picked, picked and selectively bred, if not GMO bred. Um, now you can get into those rabbit holes there. Um, and then meat consumption is up. Um, you know, in the past, we, people would, in, in um, meat consumption in Britain was something like 87 pounds in 1830s to 132 pounds in 1900s. Americans today eat 220 pounds of meat on average. Meat is generally quite good for you. You know, this is what Jordan Peterson diet he's famous for. He he only eats meat. Whether he continues to only eat meat is a good question. But it is quite clear, like, like one of the things he show up when, when the when the French and Spanish showed up onto the coasts of America or the Pacific Northwest, they ran into these um natives and all they would eat is like fresh fish and like vegetables. This is where the paleo diet comes in, and they were in like great health. Um so so I, I, I'm in a sense in agreement with the paleocons on diet. But but if you want to do it widespread, then I'm not at all. The environmentalists and paleocons in that sense are totally – by paleocons, I mean people like Roger Scruton or some of them. That's what I mean by that. I want to quick clarify that. I don't mean Murray Rothbard or Lou Rockwell. I want to quick clarify that. So that that's that's my sort of opening treatise against this. I don't think the state is pro-health in the real sense, in the thick sense. In the thin, narrow sense, it claims it's about health. It does, but a lot of that is just – you know, propaganda to justify its power or to justify bad products. But I'm not against health. I think people should try to be healthy. I don't. I think it's generally a good. Um, I and that that would be my opening question here, Swithin. That my opening statement. Here. My opening question is: one of the key questions one ought to ask is what is public health, or what is health general? And what do you make of my comments here on the opening? On the, my opening statement here on the relationship between the current pink totalitarian humanist state and public health. Swithin? Well, it's pretty clear that the current state has no interest in health in any way, in any genuine shape or form. Any um, any uh, appeal to health is merely a pretext. It, they, they have no uh, underlying concept of what health is or how to achieve it. It's just it's just a pretext to do what they want to do. It's the same way. Oh, it was another school shooting in America. Oh, no, gun control. It's like, did you really change your view as to what should happen with guns because of the school shooting? No, of course you didn't. It's just a, just a pretext to go on the same old talking points. I mean, if you look at the history of sort of like health, inverted commas, and especially in the post-Second World War period, um, it's the state was involved in making things worse. I mean, you look at the history of the food pyramid and the number of grains used and because and now as to how it got to things with respect to uh, subsidies for grain farmers and stuff. And they wanted it in there. And um, <clears throat> you get uh, certain types of industrialization of farming, which was considered generally bad well, environmentally, you know, like um, in England, for instance, you had uh, destruction of hedgerows and uh, various things because the, the goal of the state post um second world war was food security um in the second world war the major um battle that britain fought was the battle of the atlantic more than the battle of britain because we were a massive food importer and so the goal was sort of increasing food consumption and production now you could say well obviously that's related to health to some extent 
But I mean, it wasn't really health as such. You could argue there was basically a, like a defense security measure. So um, I simply don't buy. Well, I suppose um, uh, what the UK government is interested in is trying to reduce strain on the NHS. And so insofar that's the case, they care about public health. But if it's a case whereby we can say, oh, well, you're unhealthy because it's your own fault. Well, then we won't treat you, which they increasingly can do, especially with smokers. Um, and so in that sense, they don't particularly care. They just care that they're not a drain on public finances. Um, but then the question arises, you know, what is health? So what, what the um, the governments will tend to do, so you mentioned so like fat people, they'll go on the BMI measure. But the BMI from memory was created by some statistician. It doesn't actually uh, have any genuine sort of medical basis. Because as you may be aware, you know, you get people like the 18 stone um heavyweight boxer is somehow obese so I, something's a bit wrong here with this uh measurement now and people claim there's other things as well um, but one of the problems and this is why in the sense of public health which, um is is a problem is that there's no such thing as the generic human you know what is heavy for somebody is not heavy for somebody else and it depends on body shape and size etc because uh, there's no real standard body to measure it again, which is why things like um, the BMI index don't make any sense. Um, the, there was an interesting uh, YouTube video um, and a guy was saying how we, the, one of the problems is with public health, they've taken a sort of post um, uh, sort of uh, enlightenment sort of approach and well, or one of mechanism whereby, you know, humans are just machines. And, you know, there's this ideal thing and then you're just going to fit this sort of this blueprint where, in fact, you know, people are all different. You've got to look at individuals and how, you know, um, you're, he's a cardiologist and how um, his heart, this heart might be slightly bigger in one certain area than than normal inverted commas. But then I go, well, the other side's the same size. So it's probably all right because you want to look at harmony and form. Uh, and measure it against sort of like the individual rather than sort of generic healthy human and then and obviously what does health mean you know you're physically generally fit you know you you have um good locomotive ability uh, to a large extent and you know you, you can breathe easily you can do what you would generally want to do in life without being interfered with with your body not working properly then the question is, when it comes to public health, I mean, to have a gen. OK, so there's a couple of ways you could do this. You could you could say public health is merely a shorthand to uh, individual members. And so public health doesn't really exist as such. It's just merely a shorthand for individual health. If you want to have a more robust concept of public health, you'd have to kind of treat the public as uh, the political community as some sort of like genuine social object uh, that has sort of genuine existence. And how you do this probably have something about, well, there's. Uh, some uh, irreducible relations between people and how and and for this reason that there is um, it has some sort of genuine existence. So, so in a sense, you could argue that the public, in a sense, has an analogy maybe to say like the family. So, for instance, you could argue and say in one sense that the family exists prior to the individual in that well, the individual can't exist apart from the family because well, where does he come from? Now, of course, you could argue it's a special creation of God or something. Um, but in that sense, you know, you, you can't exist without having parents. So you, you so you could make that kind of claim. Then the question is, well, what would actually public health uh, mean? Well, I mean, you would want the population is generally sort of 
um, as, as I mentioned, sort of fit and healthy. Um, although, um, I think it was with terminal philosophy. Uh, oh, it was, it was probably on the, on the drugs episode. It does seem to be the case that currently um, the the, um, the ruling elite wants people to be sort of hyped up for work. And then when they're in leisure time, just going to dumb them down and fill them with uh, um, drugs of and sort of, or you could say like um, junk food type things, just to sort of mean that they are um, not sort of politically active or revolutionary in any way. Um, but just to generally speaking, though, so but I mean, public health in general, you could say is just individual health. But as well, though, um, you could. Um, you could make the argument that genuine public health was actually a society that can reproduce itself because, you know, if an organism is getting smaller in a way that that tends to be a bad thing, you know, if you get beyond under a certain weight. So you could argue that public health would include sort of like getting replacement rate fertility, which the UK and the US have got nowhere to do. So you could add that there. Um, I suppose as well, you could make the case that we mentioned sort of pandemics that having sort of serious communicable diseases um that could incapacitate a large proportion of the population for a long time could destabilize the internal order of the community and so therefore preventing those may be something that could be genuinely considered part of public health um but um, really the idea of public health really is individual health writ large with probably exception the possible additions of um fertility rates and um preventing outbreaks of chemical diseases which somehow harm the internal cohesion of uh, that kind of body. That would be my sort of approach to health and what you might consider as, as public health. I have a number of questions here, but I'm going to first uh, skip to, to question um, four here. And one of the things oftentimes associated with uh, uh, health is hospitals. In hospitals, um, there are these are these sort of giant factories. And you get this sort of the birth of Michelle Ficko's birth of the clinic. You also get this with other other thinkers as well. The hospitals sort of grew up in the industrial era because back in the day, you used to have home doctors. And home doctors come with problems here. But the hospital as a centralized organization to be to put place people, um, you know, this is this is an invention of the industrial revolution largely. Or or an outgrowth of industrialized militaries where you have the field hospital here. You have a bunch of casualties in the field hospital here. But really, you start to see these. The Quakers sort of had these with uh, medical as well as um, uh, mental as well. Um, but it was sort of like a, a retreat. And, and you know, and it's finally enough, I think Matt really and Nassim Taleb both pointed this out, like the sort of heuristic of sending, you know, disease patients to the countryside for fresh air was probably entirely correct heuristic here. So the fact that the hospital was like located on some country estate, um, this was probably good for mental and physical health. Um, and, but this is just sort of more of a heuristical understanding of health here. But hospitals look like factories. They look like well, they look like in, like factory institutions. They're they're boxed up. They they're you know they have an assembly line mechanism, a receiving area, you know, a distribution center. They have standardized qualifications. Um, so my question here is, and I, I'm definitely in the negative on this. Are hospitals um, good for public health? You know, one of the statements, um, you, you know, you know, one of the statements you can make is people go to hospitals to die, and I think in a sense it's true. Um, now, partly that's for legal and, and insurance reasons, rather than some people just say, 
I think my grandfather actually died at home, but they, 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 the ambulance took him there to say he died at the hospital. Um, so there is a certain sense where, and many people don't want end-of-life care at hospitals. There's an interesting article of how do doctors die. And as much as they're opposed, as much as they might claim that they want these advanced medicines and end-of-life procedures, um, they don't, they themselves die generally peacefully away from these um, things, you know, if they have a terminal communicable if they have a terminal disease or some disease that, that in a sense will shorten their lifespan based on an average lifespan. Um, so some forms of brain cancer and so forth. So I'm suspicious of hospitals. I'm suspicious of doctors. You know, so going into this pandemic before 2020, I was already suspect. I was suspect in 2019 of them. Let me know. Um, I was disappointed how Nassim Taleb took a very statist, um, you know, industrial turn for, for for policies here, because I've learned a lot of sort of the interdenics arguments from him. There's a lot of procedures historically that probably killed people, famously bleeding, um, or were neutral. Um, they're famously bleeding, but there's also other medical procedures you could name. You know, there's certain dental procedures you could argue, um, um, and so forth here. And there's some, you know, health guru YouTubers that get called grifters, but they'll say things like, well, if people stopped, you know, eating, you know, inflammatory food, uh, diabetes would go away or things like if, if people stop eating sugar or just fasted once a week or something, like very simple health hacks, they would cut the diabetes rate. And it is true. I mean, there was uh, Gary Tubbs, why we get fat. Um, it, like Japanese people don't get and I'm not saying this is an ethnic stereotype, but they don't get diabetes. They don't get type two diabetes, supposedly. Now, that why is that? that well, that's the environment. But, you know, well, let's have an expensive insulin system. And this is an agreement I might have with the far left, so to speak. Um, but the solution for that is not to subsidize insulin production. The solution is that is to change. The cheapest solution would be to change um, one's diet here. Um, so in a sense, that requires discipline. But this also goes back to intergenics. There is a tendency in our sort of science, I would call it scientism culture, where we just refer to doctors as kind of like the white coat priests who are there to fix us or save our bodies, so to speak, um, from um, from decay. And the hospital in particular is, I would argue, the center of that. And it's a very statist, very statist institution. And it's been more or less, there are some non-statist forms of it, like, you know, like the Quakers example. But, but, but once around the 1900s worldwide, hospitals just get taken over and regulated by the state. What do you make of hospitals here? Do you broadly agree with my criticism? Criticism of hospital? Again, if you break your leg, I want to go to a, if I break my leg, I want to go to a hospital. If I get into a car, I want to go to a hospital. I get in a major accident like that. I want to go to a hospital. I agree. Those that kind of care is great. I think that is excellent. The the, the problem is the long-term care, the care for like terminal terminal diseases, that is a crap show. And I think they're they're very off base. So I don't think they're related to health although it's commonly related to health. And do you agree with my overall comments, Swithin? Well, clearly, um, well, yes, essentially. Uh, as the um, current uh, medical system is set up, it is very factory-like. It, humans are standardized products, and you have to do things the right way. I mean, there's loads of stories um, of people telling doctors and nurses and stuff like, so I remember hearing one, a woman goes to into labor into hospital and a certain level of dilation and they go, oh, you don't need to worry about that. You know, I'll oh, be aged before it comes like she's had like two before they come out in like 20 minutes after this stage. Oh, no, 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 it's going to be fine. And then 
oh wait the baby has arrived after 20 minutes other ones um like a guy i know of um he he monitored his um heart rate and he was about 80 beats a minute and the doctor said, oh, we're asking the normal bounds but he was like look no it's it's not it is way higher than it normally is this is wrong and then basically had to lie his way to getting a test and then oh wait there was something wrong with him um this is the problem with the healthcare system and is usually becomes industrialized and it, as mentioned before it's like the standardized human and this is um the big issue with it um and and, and it treats people as basically standardized machines and also um with hospitals hospitals uh, to a large degree are the most depressing places to be and it's like why not try and make hospitals nice places to be now obviously you could say in that sense people might want to go there but it might aid recovery because you kind of know that humans aren't kind of just like machines that need to go to the garage get fixed another thing as well in hospitals which is really bad is the diet that they feed the i guess say inmates uh patients is abysmal it's highly so for instance it's not entirely surprising that a lot of again, related to it or not exactly the same like nursing homes not surprising that everyone in nursing homes collapsed and died uh due to a certain or potentially due to a certain uh virus or it could have been midazolam because the diet they eat is terrible so it's not surprising the health is really bad when they're in a nursing home they go there because they eat terrible stuff um so yeah i mean the, the, as they're currently constituted, no, they're not. I mean, hospitals are huge to a large extent. Um, there had been some private ones that, like, I think some private cancer hospitals in America came up and basically they were regulated out of existence. Uh, I think if you had a non-statist uh, healthcare system, what you're likely to have was significantly small hospitals, ones that are actually probably more nice to be there because they might people might well for instance if you were buying your healthcare and you could and obviously it depends on the price difference but one that kind of looks like you know like a house to some extent it feels nice being there you can go to seeing the garden or you can converse with other people that might actually be a place that people will pay a little bit more to go to but they might not but you would imagine i would imagine that there'll be more options like this um, and since you're actually be the genuine patient and you'll be buying stuff, um, the too long to go into, but the third party paying system in the insurance in the US just makes no sense. Uh, it's just a scam. That's it seems to be from what I've, I've read. If anyone wants to listen more about the Free Market Medical Association, do some interesting stuff on that as um, as, a, as a reference point. But if you're the genuine customer, you're going to get more individualized, non-factory style uh, healthcare. I mean, I mean, it is possible, of course, at certain times, the factory style one would have been the cheapest thing to do in the same way that, you know, you could argue that off the rack suits were the most efficient thing to do. But I mean, today with modern technology, you're getting a lot more made to measure stuff. So in other areas which were mass produced now aren't. So you, you could see that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm very much in agreement with you that. Uh, their places to die. And also we we with doctors and you know they don't take all these drugs. Well the thing is it's in their financial interest to give people all these drugs because um the the uh the drug companies they might pay them or uh, indirectly they may not be direct. 
um, corruption there. I'm not exactly sure how that would work directly in the US, but certainly uh, doctors want to look like they can do something for you. They probably don't want to say, oh, yeah, actually, probably best not taking anything that I can sell you. And best off just dying a few months earlier. What doctors want to do is try and sell people to live longer. And so I think their incentive structure is just to sell stuff that isn't very good in that regard. That said, I mean, if you did have doctors who actually knew you and got to know you more, like as it's historically kind of argued, historic sort of family doctor does in the UK, then that might change. But that would have to be a situation where uh, the doctor knew you more as a person rather than just as a patient number. Um, so but I, I would say to a large degree, your criticisms of the uh, medical system are, are entirely correct. A slight personal, I probably have only been to the, the hospital once in the past, oh, 12 years. And that was, I probably shouldn't have gone. I had hand, foot, mouth disease. And I was running a high fever. So I thought it'd be a good idea. Um, but I, I think in, overall, it was a mistake to go uh, insofar as they didn't really do anything, which is, again, they'll point that out. So there's lots of things that they don't, you know, maybe you shouldn't go. Um, um, even So, like, in a sense, one of the weird things about the American system here is many people in my health bracket you know, have no choice but to be healthy insofar as, well, you don't have the best insurance and, well, we could pay more to get it, but there, it's it's it does, it's not really designed for us. It's designed, at this point, the system is designed for the elderly, like elderly, the sick, and those like the, you know, the people with lots of comor- comorbidities, or if you get the occasional broken leg, those type of things, again, but then to be fair, and not to get into Graham Hancock territory here, but it, it could be the case that historically, like certain groups knew how to bind broken bones. Now, again, were they as clean as us? Like germ theory, I think germ theory is a is a relatively good idea. Whether it's mass hand sanitizer is a good idea is a good it's a good question. I don't generally use that stuff at all. Um, uh, but but those type of things, I I'm totally agreeing with hospitals. That kind of like you know accidents, those type of things. But the other stuff, no. Um, so moving on here. I'm going, to, I'm going to go back into the areas of the state here because we're speaking of public health. And, you know, you know is, there, is there a separation between private and public? Oftentimes, under normal conversations, that institution that links the public and the private is the state. Now, you may disagree with it. You may be, think that should be go away. And again, we're both, in a sense, sense anarchists here. Um, so we do think the state should be abolished here. And there's some question, what would an ideal healthcare system look like? And we somewhat did that. And how much would an ideal society pay? healthcare. We did that episode maybe 10 episodes ago here. So that's not really the question here. But the, in our current society here, we have the state. And oftentimes when you have the public, public means state health. And I would say, and my question for you is, is the state opposed to public health by promoting a certain lifestyle or de facto promoting a certain lifestyle? Um, and, and I'm going to ask I'm going to ask you that question, but here, but I'm going to outline my answer here. And my answer is no. Um, now, you can solve that with the, the, the coronavirus pandemic, this, the COVID-19 thing. Where they obviously did not, um, um, they 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 told people to be inside. They couldn't get vitamin D. They to, they 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 went out against different treatments. Uh, they 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 uh, they, uh, they uh, you know the the closing down of of social and physical exercises. Um, that's not good for other types of health. And now I mean again, there's certain articles that run where they point this out, but this was all pointed out by us in our episode one, by the way. Um, so in that regard, we were totally right. But it was also pointed out by some random um, other, lots of other people here too. So we're not the only ones who pointed this out. It was fairly obvious, um, unless you were 
you know, living under a rock, so to speak. Um, so, so that that's my outline of the answer. And this is not new either. You brought the, the health pyramids here, the high fructose corn syrup subsidies that exist in the United States to make sugar not available here. So now we just to flavor all our drinks with corn. And that's some of the corn lobby, some of it's a health thing. You know, you want to ban sugar, but so that so then, but people still want sweet things, so they just create other sweeteners here. Um, so I, you know, and sugar might have actually been better. If you're going to have sweet things, you may as well just have sugar. Um, um, so that's my overall answer here to the state promote health. Does it the state promote a healthy lifestyle? No. What do you think? What do you make of that um, uh, question? Do you think the state promotes a healthy, air quotes, lifestyle, or is it contra health? What do you make of it? The state promotes anything that's in its own interest. And so then the question is, to what extent is promoting a healthy uh, population in its interest? Um, I would say the state's main goal was to increase its tax revenues and its power. The question is, how do you do that? Um, so for for one thing, the way in which the state has increased its power, uh, particularly, is, oh, what about the children? What about the children? Um, so it's actually in the state's interest and has basically been policies since the with the welfare system predominantly since the 1960s, basically made it more financially viable for unmarried women to have children. And then go on about, oh, how much poverty they're in, how much subsidy they need. Um, is this going to create a good, healthy upbringing for the children? No, of course it's not. Do they care? No. Why? Because it's going to increase their power base. Um, so I think that's pretty clear. Now, to some extent, you know, promoting a healthy population is going to be useful. I mean, to some extent, you're going to want soldiers who are reasonably fit and able to fight. Um, and, you know, you can't have the population being too ill. But um, again, though, there's one of um, short term benefits and long term costs. Um, I mean, the short term benefits of messing up with the kids is you can increase your power and they just can be a problem over the next 18 years or so. Um, so uh, it, it seems to me to be not obvious that they're in favour of uh, of health. Uh, and it's clear that um, with the coronavirus stuff, that they were not interested in health. Why, as you mentioned, why close down all the, all the uh, gyms and swimming pools? Um, and they actively suppressed um, um, information everybody knew to be true. So Matt Hancock, who was the health secretary at the time, in Parliament said, oh, there was no evidence that uh, vitamin D uh, made any difference to coronavirus uh, um, results and in, in, in severity of symptoms. And you could see, like from April 2020, I remember reading articles on like, you look at the vitamin D count of people who got it badly, and people didn't. It was blatantly obvious. And also you mentioned field hospitals in the um, Spanish flu, the people who were who got more sunlight and were in outdoor, more outdoory kind of hospitals, did a lot better. And that's one of the problems with a lot of, um, well, there's an old um, hospital uh, near where my parents live. I think they still have like an outdoor section because one of the ideas was you need fresh air. And so it was like a veranda and a lot of the patients were out there, which just had a covered area. So it was, it was, it was as if they were like a stage, like a, a film set and where the cameras would be was the outside. Um, but then that was all changed with, I think, was it the antibiotics coming in? 
and maybe germ theory to some extent, because one of the arguments in the 19th century is why people got ill was bad air. And that's why you needed, I think Florence Nightingale believed that. Um, and so you needed, you needed sort of uh, good airflow. And you're right about the sweet things. I mean, to some extent you say it's unintended consequences, but whether it is unintended is another question. I mean, one of the worst taxes ever introduced in England is the sugar tax. It just made everything taste terrible because it's almost impossible to get a sugary drink that doesn't have artificial sweetener in. Um, now, I'm not necessarily somebody who says artificial sweetener is necessarily bad. They just taste terrible. But I am aware that they've been associated with increased um, risks of cancer, particularly aspartame. Um, and also, I remember hearing an anecdotal story about how some girl had a really bad gut issue and then the doctor didn't know what to do. She stopped drinking Diet Coke and it got better. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be the artificial sweeteners in the in the Coke than anything else. It's clear that the, the state has an interest in health insofar as it advances its own power and prestige and interest. Um, it owns everything. The things it does is pretext. As I mentioned earlier, uh, I see no principled position. There may be people who are um, adjoining to the ruling class who actually believe certain things um, and they get certain um, certain uh, privileges. Well, they, they, sorry, they don't get privileges. Uh, they, they get policies they want and because they have sufficient influence. Now, I suppose you could argue that the state wanted to stop smoking because it was bad. Um, because they did lose a lot of tax revenue from it, uh, I think. But I'm not sure on the smoking numbers and how that's changed. Um, be interested to see how you could make a claim that, well, one of the claims as to why actually banned tobacco advertising, for instance, in the UK was, um, uh, Sean Gab argued that one of the, he, he he reckoned that it was possibly one of the uh, possibly uh, advocated for by the tobacco companies because it stopped, saved lots of money in advertising because the the market was basically saturated it wasn't growing and so it was just a case of increasing market share so if nobody could advertise it would mean that there no new entrants could come in uh, which is entirely possible another aspect as well though when it comes to the anti-smoking stuff I think to a large extent it's class warfare. It was basically at that point in the 90s, it was the lower classes that smoked and they weren't the right type of people. Um, they were probably, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, some of them would have been sort of like patriotic white working class types and, and the middle and upper middle classes don't like them. And so they'll probably justify it by themselves. We're trying to make their lives better. But actually, it was just a case of you know class warfare, which to a large extent, lockdowns were class warfare. The people who imposed the policy had bought almost zero costs. Um, so I think you've got smoking are probably the best example of something you could argue that the state did because it was in the interest of the health of the population. But upon a closer analysis, I don't think it's as clear as it may seem on first glance. With respect to the smoking example, you know, one of the things that St. George Floyd, LOL, St. George, George Floyd, LOL, was buying was cigarettes. And one of the reasons cigarettes are very expensive here, precisely because of the tax revenue and precisely because of the sort of war on cigarettes. I'm, I'm, I, I never smoke. I don't, I'm not really interested in doing it. Um, so in that respect, I, I, 
I I'm sort of ignif I'm 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 agnostic on that issue in general. Although I'm I've I've become suspicious of it. Ayn Rand was very pro smoking, by the way, but I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't advocate it myself. I wouldn't want anyone um um to do it. So so that that'd be my opinion. But again, I don't necessarily promote it on everybody. Uh and my final question here, Swith, and we've we've gotten to a lot of stuff. And if you want to add things, please do. Um you made a joke here, speaking of agnosticism, you made a joke once that I said you're a public health uh, non-cognitivist. I thought this was pretty good. You somewhat explained it in private here. What do you mean by that? Um, Swithin? Oh, all I meant by that is it, it's just a meaningless phrase. Um, it's, you know, like moral non-cognitivism uh, being, you know, morality doesn't exist. I, I take the same view of uh, public health. I mean, um, the, it's alleged to be some sort of, you know, clear um, scientific idea, but it, it's it's just a political concept, and and also with public health as well, um, you can broaden it so far. Um, this is uh, this is a topic in and of itself. We get like mental illness, and um, you know, to what extent are uh, are radical views. Uh, being propagated bad for public health, you know, me- public public mental health. Yeah, it, it's 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 just uh, a ridiculous term. Um, it's um, is it the, the the Great Barrington people complain that oh no, um, all all this lockdown stuff is going to give public health a bad name. It's like well, it deserves a bad name because it makes no sense in the way in which it's used. I mean. I, I think there are senses in which you could salvage the concept of public health, but the public health is used as just an excuse for busybodies and the managerial elite to tell other people what to do. I mean, that's all it's there for. And I'd be surprised if it was ever anything other than that. Now, my knowledge of medical history isn't good enough to say that with certainty, but um, certain, I certainly think that that's um, that's that. I have reasons to believe why that may be true. Um, public health, the phrase public health is oftentimes used against libertarians. And as I stated in my opening statement, people like Hayek, the minarchist phaser, will give public health a pass for the state. Um, I don't think being a skin in the game and incentives, you know, you were saying that, that Hancock didn't really have sense any consequences here. And you're, the Barrington people were complaining about public health gets a bad name. I think that's good. It's good they get a bad name. Um, you know, uh, one of the things well, actually ended up being slightly what a, a, a hospital shooting happened recently. Turns out the guy now again, I, I, actually I, in this one it's much more, more interesting here. But um, he he was complaining his back didn't heal quickly enough or something like that. So he went in and just shot the dog. And I see these type of things. You know, I, I think um, in general I'm not advocating any violence here. So I want to state that here, YouTube. Not that anyone really listens uh, much significance yet, um, but um, there is a there is a time that lack of skin in the game. You know, I brought up St. George Floyd. There is a kind of immunity that exists um, um, for doctors that exists for other things. Like you know, I, I have some people on Facebook advocate getting the vaccine here, and they of course were MDs or or you know podiatrists or. Or, or dentists, and they were like using, to me, they were using their authority, their sort of professional clout, to make an opinion on it. And I was like, okay, if this thing goes bad, do I get to not knock your thing, your down two slices? And they're like, well, mm, 
you know, it's just like, you know, you're just, you're just, you're just saying what the state propaganda says. You're not really saying nothing about your degree in dentistry or your degree in child, um, um, or whatever, um, really affects this thing. And actually, in a sense, we both have enough reading comprehension skills to read the, 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 the papers that do exist. So yeah, I agree that the public health should get a bad name, partly because as you say, it, it doesn't really exist and it's a pretext, but partly because I think in this sense, it's a private matter. And I think the libertarians, again, now you can go in, there's other areas here. Else, you know, funnily enough, the my body, my choice now polls badly because liberal Democrats here in the United States associate with the anti-lockdowners, funnily enough. But I do, in some sense, buy that premise um, on a lot of levels. And I do think health issues. Now, bad air, I agree in the sense that bad air is a problem. But even there, you know, this is where the Coase theorem comes in interesting things. Like, pollution happened for a reason insofar as it made us richer. Like, fossil, like you're going to say pollution has made everyone poor, like worse off. Well, you have to sort of like you have to think about what, what would be the alternative world where we don't burn fossil fuels. And in that world, you know, as David Friedman or Alex Brunson points out, we all starve to death because we can't have nitrogen in our soils or enriched soils and fertilizers. And we can't have, you know, all sorts of other things. Um, as well as like cars and TVs and and all those wonderful modern technology. For, again, I, I, I make some agreements here. You can't have it without fossil fuels and without lots of power. So maybe we can get it from the sun eventually through solar, but we've yet to. So at this point in the day, if you're even if you complain about air pollution or things like that, and you can make local air better, but you know if you want to make the all air around the world good, you need a, a world government here. If you're, if you're really going to tackle this thing here. Um, so even there, it's just a giant power grab here. And then to go back to the incentive structures, if these people are so far, if these, it's going back to incentive structures and skin the game, if these people are so far away from it, the state, whether the local state or the big state, they have no reason to change it because they can, if it's really bad, they'll just escape it in, in all likelihood. Unless we do all starve to death, then they may not, might not escape it here. Um, um, but that would be my overall comment here. The state just seems ill-equipped for a variety of reasons, notably the incentive structure here. So so in this regard, the, the Barrington people should be glad that public health gets a bad name. It should have a bad name because it doesn't really exist here and that much of the health things that we talk about could be done privately. And what's annoying, I'll add one more comment. What's annoying about the left here, this was pointed out, Peter Hitchens and um, it was on um, uh uh, a channel related to Ben Burgess, Sublation Media. And um, finally, uh, Peter Hitchens was on there. It's an old episode. It's pretty good. And um, um, you know, early on in the lockdown, it's worth pointing out that one of the arguments that the, that, that some like liberal libertarians was made is that that, and I actually agree with this, that, that, that we shouldn't, we don't owe each other all this stuff. This is sort of a Randian argument here. Now, Peter Hitchens is sort of anti this, so this is sort of a weak spot here. So they were asking about this, and I think. I think, no, we don't, like, there's, there's a limit of how much we actually owe other people here. Um, you know, like, in a sense, this is sort of the child drowning the fountain. If he's drowning the fountain, you can swim, go save the child. But at some point, you have other things to do. <laughs> and that's sort of an insight here, like, it goes back to the lockdown logic. Would you say if it saves grandmother or saves old people, or do you want, like, well, you know, at some point, there is a calculus here that has to be made. And, you know, in general, people choose the opposite things if they're actually given the, or they'll choose 
or in the case of the hospital expenditures at end of life, if properly asked and if they had to pay for it, and this the Amish studies bear this out, people will just die peacefully at home rather than taking expensive end of life care. Um, so I think a lot of things could be solved on an individual level or family level, or if you want a communal level, maybe a small city state could resolve it. But that city state's going to have to have violate a lot of liberties to do so, which is fine. But that's you know that's that's a little different here. And your things about birth rates and those things, that's also interesting here. Well, you know what actually is good public health. So th those are my final comments here. It's a bit of a long ending there. But do you have anything to add, Swift? And thanks for doing this episode. Um, all I would um, say is, um, I say you think you can you can salvage public health, but you get public health by letting people look after their own health. That would seem to be the obvious thing. Um, I mean, you talked you said about like pollution. Um, well, the thing is with pollution is well, uh, at least with the pollution arguments, you can go, oh no, there's there's a, like a tort taking place. With lockdowns, it's well, we think you might be causing a tort to somebody else, so you could better stay in your house. I mean, it just just inverted all legal norms uh, to just a breathtaking amount. And, and on the private sector with like uh, pollution, I mean, Rothbard talks about this in his long essay on pollution and property rights, that in the 19th century, housewives would take factories to court to go, oh, look, you produce lots of smoke. You've dirty my washing. And the, and the judge would go, yeah, it did. Rule in favour of housewife, which Rothbard argues caused the, um, the factories to change to a different type of coal, to anthracite coal, which was cleaner burning and didn't cause the problems. And that was fine. And then in the in the progressive era, um, they you the state wanted a rapid industrialization, and so directed judges not to take any notice of this at all until the point at which they then need to implement minimum stack heights for the fact for the chimneys so that the pollution would go elsewhere. So whilst it could be quite complicated in certain uh, sections, if you have the idea of uh, um, you know of generally full liability, I mean, maybe not in all cases, um, but then this could be done with a functioning judicial system. There's no reason why such things should couldn't be taken into account. And if you can't get it to a legal standard, you just got to treat it like an act of nature, an act of God, and just deal with it. I mean, the only other thing to do is to create some vast bureaucracy to, um, to intervene with... Um, intervene with the uh, running of things and also one last thing on health which relates to fossil fuels if the western the governments of the world cared about health what they would want to do is have maximum energy generation because it means you'd be able to manipulate the environment such that it is more conducive to human flourishing um, and that would mean making nuclear amongst others basically legal as opposed to effectively criminalizing it which they have done for many, many years. Um, and that would mean that there was uh, more um, more goods and services produced. It would mean hospitals would be able to run cheaper. Old people would be able to heat their homes easily, not die of cold. People would be a lot healthier if there was more energy. But um, this is just so beyond the sort of Overton window of uh, discussions in the context of health that I mean, you just get laughed at. Uh, for making um, that, those points. But I do think uh, related to fossil fuels, you know, energy generation is hugely important to help.
but no 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 all things is, is climate change otherwise known as something bad happened in the environment it must be climate change because it's always changing but anyway now i'd just like to thank everyone for listening if you enjoyed this podcast please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on probably on youtube the more subscribers we get the more we get higher we get in the search rankings and the more people can access this material and finally if you'd like to contact the show for any reason please contact us at mindcryingthebitshow at gmail.com that's mindcryingthebitshow at gmail.com <laughs>